Chapter 3 of Airplane Flying Handbook, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dale Latham. Airplane Flying Handbook, Volume 1 by Federal Aviation Administration. Chapter 3 Basic Flying Maneuvers. The Four Fundamentals. There are four fundamental basic flight maneuvers upon which all flying tasks are based. Straight and level flight, turns, climbs, and descents. All controlled flight consists of either one or a combination of more than one of these basic maneuvers. If a student pilot is able to perform these maneuvers well and the student's proficiency is based on accurate feel, and control analysis rather than mechanical movements, the ability to perform any assigned maneuver will only be a matter of obtaining a clear visual and mental conception of it. The flight instructor must impart a good knowledge of these basic elements to the student and must combine them and plan their practice so that perfect performance of each is instinctive without conscious effort. The importance of this to the success of flight training cannot be overemphasized. As the student progresses to more complex maneuvers, discounting any difficulties in visualizing the maneuvers, most students' difficulties will be caused by a lack of training, practice, or understanding of the principles of one or more of these fundamentals. Effects and use of the controls. In explaining the functions of the controls, the instructor should emphasize that the controls never change in the results produced in relation to the pilot. The pilot should always be considered the center of movement of the airplane, or the reference point from which the movements of the airplane are judged and described. The following will always be true regardless of the airplane's attitude in relation to the earth. When back pressure is applied to the elevator control, the airplane's nose rises in relation to the pilot. When forward pressure is applied to the elevator control, the airplane's nose lowers in relation to the pilot. When right pressure is applied to the aileron control, the airplane's right wing lowers in relation to the pilot. When left pressure is applied to the aileron control, the airplane's left wing lowers in relation to the pilot. When pressure is applied to the right rudder pedal, the airplane's nose moves, yaws, to the right in relation to the pilot. When pressure is applied to the left rudder pedal, the airplane's nose moves, yaws, to the left in relation to the pilot. The preceding explanation should prevent the beginning pilot from thinking in terms of up or down in respect to the earth, which is only a relative state to the pilot. It will also make understanding of the functions of the controls much easier, particularly when performing steep bank turns and the more advanced maneuvers. Consequently, the pilot must be able to properly determine the control application required to place the plane in any attitude or flight condition that is desired. The flight instructor should explain that the controls will have a natural live pressure while in flight and that they will remain in neutral position of their own accord if the plane is trimmed properly. With this in mind, the pilot should be cautioned never to think of movement of the controls, but of exerting force on them against this live pressure or resistance. 
movement of the controls should not be emphasized. It is the duration and the amount of force exerted on them that affects the displacement of the control surfaces and maneuvers the airplane. The amount of force the airflow exerts on a control surface is governed by the airspeed and the degree that the surface is moved out of its neutral or streamlined position. Since the airspeed will not be the same in all maneuvers, the actual amount the control surfaces are moved is of little importance, but it is important that the pilot maneuver the airplane by applying sufficient control pressure to obtain a desired result, regardless of how far the control surfaces are actually moved. The controls should be held lightly with the fingers, not grabbed and squeezed. Pressure should be exerted on the control yoke with the fingers. A common error in beginning pilots is a tendency to choke the stick. This tendency should be avoided as it prevents the development of feel, which is an important part of aircraft control. The pilot's feet should rest comfortably against the rudder pedals. Both heels should support the weight of the feet on the cockpit floor with the ball of each foot touching the individual rudder pedals. The legs and feet should not be tense. They must be relaxed, just as when driving an automobile. When using the rudder pedals, pressure should be applied smoothly and evenly by pressing with the ball of one foot. Since the rudder pedals are interconnected and act in opposite directions, when pressure is applied to one pedal, pressure on the other must be relaxed proportionately. When the rudder pedal must be moved significantly, heavy pressure changes should be made by applying the pressure with the ball of the foot while the heels slide along the cockpit floor. Remember, the ball of each foot must rest comfortably on the rudder pedals so that even slight pressure changes can be felt. In summary, during flight, it is the pressure the pilot exerts on the control yoke and rudder pedals that causes the plane to move about its axes. When a control surface is moved out of its streamlined position, even slightly, the air flowing past it will exert a force against it and will try to return it to its streamlined position. It is this force that the pilot feels as pressure on the control yoke and the rudder pedals. Feel of the airplane. The ability to sense a flight condition without relying on cockpit instrumentation is often called feel of the airplane, but senses in addition to feel are involved. Sounds inherent to flight are an important sense in developing feel. The air that rushes past the modern light plane cockpit cabin is often masked by soundproofing, but it can still be heard. When the level of the sound increases, it indicates that airspeed is increasing. Also, the power plant emits distinctive sound patterns in different conditions of flight. The sound of the engine in cruise flight may be different from that in a climb, and different again from that in a dive. When power is used in fixed-pitch propeller airplanes, the loss of RPM is particularly noticeable. The amount of noise that can be heard will depend on how much the slipstream masks it out. But the relationship between the slipstream noise and the power plant noise aids the pilot in estimating not only the present airspeed, but the trend of the airspeed. There are three sources of actual feel that are very important to the pilot. One is the pilot's own body as it responds to the forces of acceleration. The G-loads 
imposed on the airframe are also felt by the pilot. Centripetal accelerations force the pilot down into the seat or raise the pilot against the seat belt. Radial accelerations, as they produce slips and skids of the airframe, shift the pilot from side to side in the seat. These forces need not be strong, only perceptible by the pilot to be useful. An accomplished pilot who has excellent feel for the airplane will be able to detect even the minutest change. The response of the aileron and rudder controls to the pilot's touch is another element of feel and is one that provides direct information concerning airspeed. As previously stated, control surfaces move in the airstream and meet resistance proportional to the speed of the airstream. When the airstream is fast, the controls are stiff and hard to move. When the airstream is slow, the controls move easily, but must be deflected a greater distance. The pressure that must be exerted on the controls to affect a desired result and the lag between the movement and the response of the airplane become greater as airspeed decreases. Another type of feel comes to the pilot through the airframe. It consists mainly of vibration. An example is the aerodynamic buffeting and shaking that precedes a stall. Kinesthesia, or the sensing of changes in direction or speed of motion, is one of the most important senses a pilot can develop. When properly developed, kinesthesia can warn the pilot of changes in airspeed and or the beginning of a settling or mushing of the airplane. The senses that contribute to feel of the airplane are inherent in every person. However, feel must be developed. The flight instructor should direct the beginning pilot to be attuned to these senses and teach an awareness of their meaning as it relates to the various conditions of flight. To do this effectively, the flight instructor must fully understand the difference between perceiving something and merely noticing it. It is a well-established fact that the pilot who develops a feel for the airplane early in flight training will have little difficulty with advanced flight maneuvers. Attitude flying. In contact, VFR, flying, flying by attitude means visually establishing the airplane's attitude with reference to the natural horizon. See figure 3-1. Attitude is the angular difference measured between an airplane's axis and the line of the Earth's horizon. Pitch attitude is the angle formed by the longitudinal axis, and bank attitude is the angle formed by the lateral axis. Rotation about the airplane's vertical axis, yaw, is termed an attitude relative to the airplane's flight path, but not relative to the natural horizon. In attitude flying, airplane control is composed of four components. Pitch control, bank control, power control, and trim. Pitch control is the control of the airplane about the lateral axis by using the elevator to raise and lower the nose in relation to the natural horizon. Bank control is control of the airplane about the longitudinal axis by the use of ailerons to attain a desired bank angle in relation to the natural horizon. Power control is used when the flight situation indicates a need for a change in thrust. Trim is used to relieve all possible control pressures 
held after a desired attitude has been attained. The primary rule for attitude flying is attitude plus power equals performance. Integrated Flight Instruction When introducing basic flight maneuvers to a beginning pilot, it is recommended that the integrated or composite method of flight instruction be used. This means the use of outside references and flight instruments to establish and maintain desired flight attitudes and airplane performance. See figure 3-2. When beginning pilots use this technique, they achieve a more precise and competent overall piloting ability. Although this method of airplane control may become second nature with experience, the beginning pilot must make a determined effort to master the technique. The basic elements of which are as follows. The airplane's attitude is established and maintained by positioning the airplane in relation to the natural horizon. At least 90% of the pilot's attention should be devoted to this end, along with scanning for other airplanes. If, during a recheck of the pitch and or bank, either or both are found to be other than desired, an immediate correction is made to return the airplane to the proper attitude. Continuous checks and immediate corrections will allow little chance for the airplane to deviate from the desired heading, altitude, and flight path. The airplane's attitude is confirmed by referring to the flight instruments and its performance checked. If airplane performance, as indicated by flight instruments, indicates a need for correction, a specific amount of correction must be determined, then applied with reference to the natural horizon. The airplane's attitude and performance are then rechecked by referring to flight instruments. The pilot then maintains the corrected attitude by reference to the natural horizon. The pilot should monitor the airplane's performance by making numerous quick glances at the flight instruments. No more than 10% of the pilot's attention should be inside the cockpit. The pilot must develop the skill to instantly focus on the appropriate flight instrument and then immediately return to the outside reference to control the airplane's attitude. The pilot should become familiar with the relationship between outside references to the natural horizon and the corresponding indications on flight instruments inside the cockpit. For example, a pitch attitude adjustment may require a movement of the pilot's reference point on the airplane of several inches in relation to the natural horizon but correspond to a small fraction of an inch movement of the reference bar on the airplane's attitude indicator. Similarly, a deviation from desired bank, which is very obvious when referencing the wingtip's position relative to the natural horizon, may be nearly imperceptible on the airplane's attitude indicator to a beginning pilot. The use of integrated flight instruction does not and is not intended to prepare pilots for flight in instrument weather conditions. The most common error made by the beginning student is to make pitch or bank corrections while still looking inside the cockpit. Control pressure is applied, but the beginning pilot not being familiar with the intricacies of flight by references to instruments, including such things as instrument lag and gyroscopic precession, will invariably make excessive attitude corrections, and end up chasing the instruments. Airplane attitude, by reference to the natural horizon, however, is immediate in its indications. 
accurate, and presented many times larger than any instrument could be. Also, the beginning pilot must be made aware that any time, for whatever reason, airplane attitude by reference to that horizon cannot be established and or maintained, the situation should be considered a bona fide emergency. Straight and Level Flight It is impossible to emphasize too strongly the necessity for forming correct habits of flying straight and level. All other flight maneuvers are, in essence, deviations from this fundamental flight maneuver. Many flight instructors and students are prone to believe that perfection in straight and level flight will come of itself, but such is not the case. It is not uncommon to find a pilot whose basic flying ability consistently falls just short of minimum expected standards, and upon analyzing the reasons for the shortcomings, to discover that the cause is the inability to fly straight and level properly. Straight and level flight is flight in which a constant heading and altitude are maintained. It is accomplished by making immediate and measured corrections for deviations in direction and altitude from unintentional slight turns, descents, and climbs. Level flight, at first, is a matter of consciously fixing the relationship of the position of some portion of the airplane, used as a reference point with the horizon. In establishing the reference points, the instructor should place the airplane in a desired position and aid the student in selecting reference points. The instructor should be aware that no two pilots see the relationship exactly the same. The references will depend on where the pilot is sitting, the pilot's height, whether short or tall, and the pilot's manner of sitting. It is, therefore, important that during the fixing of this relationship, the pilot sit in a normal manner, otherwise the points will not be the same when the normal position is resumed. In learning to control the airplane in level flight, it is important that the student be taught to maintain a light grip on flight controls and that the control forces desired be exerted lightly and just enough to produce the desired result. The student should learn to associate the apparent movement of the references with the forces which produce it. In this way, the student can develop the ability to regulate the change desired in the airplane's attitude by the amount and direction of forces applied to the controls without the necessity of referring to instrument or outside references for each minor correction. The pitch attitude for level flight, constant altitude, is usually obtained by selecting some portion of the airplane's nose as a reference point and then keeping that point in a fixed position relative to the horizon. See figure 3-3. Using the principles of attitude flying, that position should be cross-checked occasionally against the altimeter to determine whether or not pitch attitude is correct. If altitude is being gained or lost, the pitch attitude should be readjusted in relation to the horizon and then the altimeter rechecked to determine if altitude is now being maintained. The application of forward or back elevator pressure is used to control this attitude. The pitch information obtained from the attitude indicator also will show the position of the nose relative to the horizon and will indicate whether elevator pressure is necessary to change the pitch attitude to return to level flight. However, the primary reference source is the natural horizon. In all normal maneuvers, the term increase the pitch attitude 
implies raising the nose in relation to the horizon. The term decreasing pitch attitude means lowering the nose. Straight flight, laterally level flight, is accomplished by visually checking the relationship of the airplane's wingtips with the horizon. Both wingtips should be equidistant above and below the horizon, depending on whether the plane is a high wing or low wing type, and any necessary adjustment should be made with the ailerons, noting the relationship of control pressure and the airplane's attitude. See figure 3-4. The student should understand that any time the wings are banked, even though very slightly, the plane will turn. The objective of straight and level flight is to detect small deviations from laterally level flight as soon as they occur, necessitating only small corrections. Reference to the heading indicator should be made to note any change in direction. Continually observing the wingtips has advantages other than being the only positive check for leveling wings. It also helps divert the pilot's attention from the airplane's nose, prevents a fixed stare, and automatically expands the pilot's area of vision by increasing the range necessary for the pilot's vision to cover. In practicing straight and level flight, the wingtips can be used not only for establishing the airplane's lateral level attitude or bank, but to a lesser degree, its pitch attitude. This is noted only for assistance in learning straight and level flight and is not a recommended practice for normal operations. The scope of a student's vision is also very important, for if it is obscured, the student will tend to look out to one side continually, usually the left, and consequently lean that way. This not only gives a student a biased angle from which to judge, but also causes a student to exert unconscious pressure on the controls in that direction, which results in dragging a wing. With the wings approximately level, it is possible to maintain straight flight by simply exerting the necessary forces on the rudder in the desired direction. However, the instructor should point out that the practice of using rudder alone is not correct and may make precise control of the airplane difficult. Straight and level flight requires almost no application of control pressures if the airplane is properly trimmed and the air is smooth. For that reason, the student must not form the habit of constantly moving the controls unnecessarily. The student must learn to recognize when corrections are necessary and then to make the measured response easily and naturally. To obtain the proper conception of the forces required on the rudder during straight and level flight, the airplane must be held level. One of the most common faults of beginning students is the tendency to concentrate on the nose of the airplane and attempting to hold the wings level by observing the curvature of the nose cowling. With this method, the reference line is very short, and its deviation, particularly if very slight, can go unnoticed. Also, a very small deviation from level by this short reference line becomes considerable at the wingtips and results in appreciable dragging of one wing. This attitude requires the use of additional rudder to maintain straight flight, giving a false conception of neutral control forces. The habit of dragging one wing and compensating with rudder pressure, if allowed to develop, is particularly hard to break, and if not corrected, will result in considerable difficulty in mastering other flight maneuvers. 
For all practical purposes, the airspeed will remain constant in straight and level flight with a constant power setting. Practice of intentional airspeed changes by increasing or decreasing the power will provide an excellent means of developing proficiency in maintaining straight and level flight at various speeds. Significant changes in airspeed will, of course, require considerable changes in pitch attitude and pitch trim to maintain altitude. Pronounced changes in pitch attitude and trim will also be necessary as the flaps and landing gear are operated. Common errors in performance of straight and level flight are attempting to use improper reference points on the airplane to establish attitude, forgetting the location of preselected reference points on subsequent flights, attempting to establish or correct airplane attitude using flight instruments rather than outside visual reference, attempting to maintain direction using only rudder control, habitually flying with one wing low, chasing the flight instruments rather than adhering to the principles of attitude flying, too tight a grip on the flight controls resulting in over-control and lack of feel, pushing or pulling on flight controls rather than exerting pressure against the airstream, improper scanning, and or devoting insufficient time to outside visual reference, head in the cockpit. Fixation on the nose, pitch attitude, reference point. Unnecessary or inappropriate control inputs. Failure to make timely and measured control inputs when deviations from straight and level flight are detected. Inadequate attention to sensory inputs in developing feel for the airplane. Trim control. The airplane is designed so that the primary flight controls, rudder, aileron, and elevator, are streamlined with the non-movable airplane surfaces when the airplane is cruising straight and level at normal weight and loading. If the airplane's flying out of that basic balance condition, one or more of the control surfaces is going to have to be held out of its streamlined position for continuous control input. The use of trim tabs relieves the pilot of this requirement. Proper trim technique is a very important and often overlooked basic flying skill an improperly trimmed airplane requires constant control pressures, produces pilot tension and fatigue, distracts the pilot from scanning, and contributes to abrupt and erratic airplane attitude control. Because of their relatively low power and speed, not all light airplanes have a complete set of trim tabs that are adjustable from the cockpit. In airplanes where rudder, aileron, and elevator trim are available, a definite sequence of trim application should be used. Elevator stabilator should be trimmed first to relieve the need for control pressure to maintain constant airspeed pitch attitude. Attempts to trim the rudder at varying airspeed are impractical to propeller-driven airplanes because of the change in the torque-correcting offset of the vertical fin. Once a constant airspeed pitch attitude has been established, the pilot should hold the wings level with the aileron pressure while rudder pressure is trimmed out. Aileron trim should be adjusted to relieve any lateral control yoke pressure. A common trim control error is the tendency to over-control the plane with the trim adjustments. To avoid this, the pilot must learn to establish and hold the airplane in a desired attitude using the primary flight controls. 
the proper attitude should be established with reference to the horizon, then verified by reference to the performance indications on the flight instruments. The pilot should then apply trim in the above sequence to relieve whatever hand and foot pressure had been required. The pilot must avoid using the trim to establish or correct airplane attitude. The airplane attitude must be established and held first, then control pressures trimmed out so that the airplane will maintain the desired attitude in hands-off flight. Attempting to fly the airplane with trim tabs is a common fault in the basic flying technique even among experienced pilots. A properly trimmed airplane is an indication of good piloting skills. Any control pressures the pilot feels should be the result of deliberate pilot control input during a planned change of airplane attitude, not a result of pressures being applied by the airplane because the pilot is allowing it to assume control. End Chapter 3, Part 1 Recording by Dale Latham